It has been over a month. Welcome back, everybody, to Play Games, Lose Friends. I'm Ryan, here with Ken. We had a very long delay due to some uh, technical issues, some scheduling issues, and trying to get some playthroughs of Kabbalah in before the Kickstarter ended. We did get a prototype copy, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But before I do that, welcome back, buddy. It's been a while. Oh, I know, Ryan. I've, I've missed this so much. I feel awful we didn't get to make it during the campaign for Kabbalah, but we're definitely going to talk about it, and everyone will hear the uh, much-anticipated interview uh, with Antonio Liga, the designer of the game, which, again, we're super excited uh, about having that opportunity, and it's been a, it's been a weird month. <laughs> Let's just call it that. Yeah, it was. And, and I'm really happy that we got the opportunity to get the prototype. So we just want to say thanks to Antonio and the folks from Stranger Game Studios for getting that to us. It shipped all the way from the land down under to the United States. So yeah. it took what, like a good, was it a two week period to get here? Something like that? Yeah, it was like two, it was almost, it was almost two and a half weeks. Uh, and then we were, you know, we're trying to organize game night to get a, get a playthrough in so we could, you know, talk about it. And, you know, I've been, you know, we've been, you know, mentioning it for months. So it's like, we finally got it. And then we missed game night, you know, and then we had to schedule a new game night, (laughs) you know, so it was, you know, and then trying to schedule the interview and there was some illness and, you know, ice storms here in Pennsylvania and internet outages and, oh, it's just been it's the perfect storm of not being able to do what we want to do. <laughs> what I'm hearing is we need all our dear listeners to make have us create a Patreon, and then you guys can fund a recording studio for us that will solve all <laughs> these issues, right? So yeah. we'll, we'll start the first tier to $1,000 a month, and we'll just go up from there, and we appreciate your contributions. Yeah, eventually Spotify will want us like they did Rogan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's hope we don't cause as much controversy. I'm not taking any horse medicine, so we should be good. Oh, I'm a, all I do is take horse medicine. Uh, well, all right. I'm not going to ask why, but maybe someday I'll find out. Some skin <laughs> condition, I'm assuming. If you're all right, lucky. let's jump in. Uh, we've got a long interview with Antonio uh, planned for this this uh, episode, so let's get into what we played. How about you go first tonight? I know we're going we're gonna to keep it short because next episode we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the stuff we played that is longer, but let's get some of our quick hits out of the way. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, again, I've been, uh, trying some of the solo modes of some of my games recently, uh, in order to get prepared for, you know, future game nights. I'm so proud of you. Where, where we can make the teach shorter. I don't have to read the rule book to people. I can just try to get things down pat. Um, and then just sort of move right into it. So with that, I'll start with uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. It's been on the list for a while. Again, to, for, for me to want to get it, I, I, I've you know watched so much, heard so much about it, and how good the game is. And uh, I think I mentioned it on one of the podcasts. I bought it on Target doc, uh, through the Target app because um, it, it was sold out in a lot of places. So. Um, I got to set that up. I played the solo mode. I won. I beat the AI. And I cannot wait to play that game with more people. It is a fun game. Uh, it's real crunchy decisions. Uh, not, not as crunchy as some games, but, uh, but it definitely, 
you're you're engaged the whole time. There's so many things to do, and you can't do them all. So you have to maximize every move, every turn. It's just fantastic. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. I'm looking forward to getting a try. It. It's been on a list of things I'd like to play for I don't know a while now. It's pretty hard to get. So yeah, we need to get that to a board game night for sure. What else you got? Uh, so the other game I played uh, was one with my. Uh, son. I've had it for a couple years based on a previous Kickstarter. Uh, I think from 26, uh, what was it? 2016, maybe something like that it was a while ago. And, uh, it's called It Happens. It's a Stefan Feld, uh, family game, uh, about dice placement where you are, uh, rolling dice and, uh, trying to achieve um, certain number goals to get victory points, to get tokens on these different, uh, anthills. So you're all sort of anteaters, uh, trying to, uh, get the most points at the end of, I think it's four rounds. Uh, and it was very fun. I think it's great for kids and, and even for gamers. The decisions are fun. Uh, the art is cool and it's simple mechanics of, you know, rolling and placing dice. So I enjoyed it a lot. I've gotten access to the table a couple times. Your son really digs it too? Like he's totally into it? Well, yeah, because what – so I found a new method to get my son to play a game. I have to set the game up completely and just pretend he's there playing. And then he just shows up at the table and then just jumps in because he wants to play then once he <laughs> sees it. So uh, that's eight-year-olds with uh, with a Switch. So that's how you can get them off the Switch. <laughs> You've made an imaginary son that you love more than your real son, and your real son gets <laughs> jealous of the imaginary son and then plays just despite the imaginary yeah. son. I like that. It's a good strategy. <laughs> There's going to be therapy bills later in life, but that's a great strategy. Yeah, but at least I get him to the table to play board games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually it's some type of veiled threat or just taking away the uh, the screens that work for me, but uh, I'll have to try that. Well, that's the coolest. I really can't wait to try Arnak, so we got to get that planned out soon. Um, I got some time to play Meadow, both with my wife and also I tried out the solo mode. Uh, she's 2-0, and o, which means I'm 0-2, but she liked it to an extent, so that's a good thing. She didn't hate it, but there was definitely a lot of fun had, I think, on both sides. It's just, just such a relaxing, easy-to-play game. I don't think there's much about it that I don't like, except for maybe the fact that you know, after 20, 30 plays of that game, I could kind of see myself maybe not wanting to play it much anymore. There's a lot of sort of sameness between the experience, but, uh, you know, for the time being, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it and I definitely enjoy playing it. And two player, it's very good. We tried it at four, which we're looking forward to getting to the table again with four. Um, you know, we had a really good time the first time we played it and I think everybody else wants to give it another shot. So, uh, looking forward to getting that back out there. We also got Super Mega Lucky Box to the table again. Uh, not last board game day, but I think the one before that. And so the four of us got, what, two or three games in. That was fun. Um, we also played with our wives, uh, the four of us. And and I don't know. My wife definitely likes it because it's just such a simple, fun, easygoing, non-heavy experience. I was kind of curious what your wife felt about it after we played. Yeah, so I think she I think she really did. You know, dug it uh, and enjoyed it. It took her a little bit to. I mean, not, not that she. It was a. It's a hard game. It was just trying to see the strategy quickly. About okay, yeah. how do I? Ch what what card do I check off? How do I score? Okay, I need to unlock these 
things on this card to then unlock things on this card. But I think she digs it. I, uh, uh, I, I want to say she asked if uh, I had thrown it in a cart yet, you know, to buy it. <laughs> but no, that's so a good it, sign. <laughs> yeah. But real quick, uh, swinging back to swinging back to Meadow. Uh, so two things. One, obviously, your wife being two and zero. Oh, that means that we'll see the table again. So that's good. So number yes. two, <laughs> you talked about replayability. Um, but for those who don't know, uh, Meadow is getting an expansion later this year called the Wetlands. So hopefully that makes the 30-40 playthrough uh, wall not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm just going to tip my cap to my actual – the actual person who discovered about this expansion was my wife and informed the both of us. She was taking a look at the artist uh, that illustrates Meadow and just kind of looking for maybe some original artwork to use in the house. And because uh, of the illustrations in that game are just beautiful for the most part. Um, so she found out that way through the interwebs. And, and so that's how we learned. But yeah, that's a very good point. I hope this, I don't know if they're going to do some new mechanics, I would imagine, but uh, I, I could play that for a long time. It's just one of those games you can put to the table and, and not really have to stress or think too much about it. And it's fun. Um, Arboretum was the next one we got. And I'm not going to dive too far into this game because it's been out for a long time. Most people know about it, but we only, you had to leave early one night. And so we got three guys in and, and I, I walked away to put some, we always have food out on the food table. I took some dishes upstairs, try and clean up ahead of time a little bit. And I told the other two guys, go, you go to the shelf, pick out whatever game you want. We'll play that. Because uh, I think it was about like 10 o'clock. So we didn't have a ton of time left. We usually wrap up by 11, 1130. And I come back down and Arboretum's on the table. And I thought, oh, man, one of the guys in the group had played it and the other one hadn't. And so we went over the rules slightly and then we started our first game. And goddamn, I love that game. It's so freaking good for just being a card game. It is amazing to me that we don't play it more. And I know you were kind of bummed that you missed out on it. We got to do that with four players. That is one of the most lovely themed games and easy to play games with the most evil, diabolical asshole undercurrent of any game I've ever played. It is. Yeah. It's disguised. It's like a, it's like a, um, it's like a bouquet of flower. Uh, it's, or like a, like a bear trap disguised as a bouquet of flowers, you know, like it's, (laughs) it's, it's amazing. It's trees with knives. Like they just you walk under them and knives fall on your head. It, it's yeah, amazing. Like, like, so I hope like we get that to the table again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then one last quick one: uh, Wingspan on the Switch. I'm hooked again. God damn it! Uh, uh, the game's just so much fun and so well done on the Switch. And I know Joe, another guy in our game group, was playing on an iOS device. So I'm not the only one addicted, but it, it's just so good. So. If you haven't, folks, and you like Wingspan and you have a Switch or you have an iPad or something, just go get it. It's it's worth the money and it, the implementation's so good. So that is what we played. Anything else you want to add? Well, and obviously getting into our first impressions, we played Kabula. How about that for a segue? We did. <laughs> Before we do that, should we, uh, we play the interview with Antonio so people can get some background? Yeah, that would be great. Hope you enjoy it. We had a good opportunity to sit down for a good half hour with Antonio Liga, who was the uh, creator and lead designer on Kabbalah from Stranger Game Studios. And we had a chance to sit down and chat with him a little bit about the design process, 
some of the wacky ideas that come out in the game, some of the undercurrents and themes, design, all kinds of stuff. And it was a pleasure getting to speak with him. And uh, we really wished we could have gotten this out before the Kickstarter ended because we wanted to try and hype up the game a bit more for him. But uh, circumstances being what they were, we didn't get the chance. But we do really appreciate Antonio's time and, uh, you know, getting us a copy of that prototype. So without further ado, this is Antonio Liga, lead designer of Kabbalah from Stranger Games Studios. Check it out. Thank you very much, Antonio, for making this time. What we, uh, you know, for those who are just tuning into this, we are uh, meeting uh, and interviewing uh, Antonio. And I apologize. Uh, it should be on the game book here on the uh, box, but the last name uh, is escaping me. But the uh, lead designer of uh, Kabbalah. So welcome. Thank you. Now, th- thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure. So I was saying that as some backers noticed, like the, the game has some uh, isekai vibe. So there is a, a um, well, a big current uh, of uh, an uh, about people who are sucked into some kind of different world for different reasons. Like uh, you know, the, the standards are uh, being trapped inside a video game, or um, you know, you die and you're reborn, and when I was uh, starting working again for real in this game, it was during the, the lockdown. Uh, I, I was just uh, locked inside a flat in Edinburgh and my flatmate w- was just showing me like, I don't know, 20 episodes per day or something like that. So all of the heroes got converted into people from our modern world and trapped into a fantasy world and they all changed uh, they, they were all slightly different and this allowed us to, to, to bring into the, the game some kind of I, I wouldn't say the game is uh, political but probably s- satirical on a lot of ways in which people uh, behave uh, and um, uh, psychology or something that we consider that is normal in our society but as soon as you put it out of context it, it feels uh, uh, completely weird so when it came to the art process of this because because Obviously, again, the the whimsy and, and the sense of humor was one of the, the biggest sort of drawing factors for me. Uh, and I think, you know, when we started talking in December, you know, I, I even think I compared it to uh, OP Arena, just as far as, like, the characters yeah. and the monsters and the, and the creatures, which, you know, Ryan, you know, to your point, uh, you know, Ryan and, and our group, like, we love that type of silly, that type of humor. And that type of fun. So when it came to the art style, how much did you give the artists to like work with in, in order to come up with sort of the, the style of what what you got going on here? Not only in the monsters or in the in the guardians, but also in the um, you know in the characters themselves that you get to play as. How did that process go? Yeah, th- that is very tricky because with artists, like you don't want to limit their creative process. But at the same time, you want, like, sometimes you imagine something very specific, so you have to walk on, on a line. And it works, it works very differently with, uh, with different people. And we had different artists for uh, each one of our heroes. And we had uh, two different artists for uh, uh, the monsters, actually. Well, four, if we include, like, a, a couple um, extra ones we got. 
Uh, overall, we usually give uh, a brief with uh, some ideas of, you know, how we expect things and and what it what makes them unique and what makes them funny, and then uh, we get uh, drafts back and then we we work on those. It, it depends because there are some artists who really do a lot of uh, of sketches and it's very easy to have an iterative process on that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, at, at the moment, actually, we have a poll uh, during the Kickstarter to decide uh, how one of our uh, guardians is going to is gonna look like. Uh, so we are having the backers voting for that. Uh, we have two versions of these uh, murderous rabbits, uh, which uh, can uh, swallow uh, like whole humans in one gulp. Well, I mean, that's that's also the crazy part, too, just looking at the monsters themselves, right? You've got, um, I mean, they are, they're all over the place. And um, <clears throat> Ryan's favorite by, by far was uh, Desert Eagle with a Desert Eagle. Also, yes, also yeah. very good to play, too, by the way. That, that gun ability <laughs> is very nice. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. The, the Desert Eagle is, what I really like it is that it can start shooting as a, as a way of defending itself. Yeah. So I really like how we managed to include all these thematic uh, aspects that we did. So the funny aspect to me of the game, like many people focus a lot on, on the funny cards, like uh, uh, like you read the fun story. and But to me, it's not that. To me, it's how all of these different weird things uh, happen to work together and sometimes they work in totally unexpected ways like i I remember showing the game to some some friends of friends and and at some point we had uh, you know somebody attacking the water king the water king uh, flipping his tail against everybody around the eagle starting shooting to everybody while shooting it, it hit the the tight pants that somebody had, and the buttons flew everywhere. In the end, the dragon was dead in like one turn, and it was just amazing. But yeah, I yeah, think you, you can never. Well, yeah, I mean, to that point, there's so many, um, almost like an like a <clears throat> like like random chaos that can ensue uh, in a way, which I don't know. Again, from a game design and a balance standpoint. I don't know how much you you sort of snuffed that out or or you embraced that and you're like you you want to see that like um you know cuz again like different characters have different abilities that trigger off different die rolls you know or 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 the the iconography on the die roll so to speak and then you know then that triggers off others and it just becomes this like domino effect of just chaos so yeah. How is that from a des- was that done intentionally from a design standpoint, or is that like a happy accident that you're like, I like that. Let's leave it in. It, it was done intentionally, but it. I think that well, of course, it depends on the kind of game you're trying to do. But there are different kind of randomness, and there is some randomness that I don't particularly find fun, or anyway, it wasn't. Uh, functional to this kind of design. So in this game, since uh, the way in which you take actions and the fact that if you waste one action, probably you're wasting your turn, usually there is no way in which uh, you know you attack and there's no damage. 
like you, you know like the, the randomness on uh, on your attack is, is very limited like if, if your attack is uh, free uh, like with uh, a, a die roll the attack can become four or can become two if you're unlucky but you're not gonna miss and nothing particularly unexpected is gonna happen so you always have something you can count on on the other hand you kind of need the unexpected factors or you completely miss the the feeling of, uh, of battle it, it becomes uh, so as i said we had uh, several steps in the in the development of the game and at some point we had uh, um the monsters just had uh, uh, a series of actions they would perform uh, in order and there were no randomizers you could still do all the optimization on how to answer and um you, you know the, the game was uh, easier to uh, to balance and so on but it was missing completely the effect uh, like the epic effect of having uh, a real battlefield and we are much happier with this no i mean it definitely makes sense so i guess you, you know you do talk about you know the random factor and i guess when you're when you're designing a game how do you mitigate or, or, or I guess from your level of design, how do you, I guess, have enough randomization, but yet not the sort of the negative randomization that's just a hundred percent luck based? Like, how was that process in the balancing? Because um, again, one thing yeah. that we saw, you know, was uh, again and again, it was just a, I guess a random occurrence that it happened. But like, sometimes you would like need uh, like a specific token, like for example, like. You have the one, um, the one monster that would activate or can attack if you had a butt token. But if you didn't have a butt token, you're like scrambling around trying to figure out how to get a butt token as best as possible so that you can actually do that ability if you want to do that, right? So like that yes. type of randomness versus you know the balance of it. How did that play out for you? So to limit uh, the randomness uh, of this. Um, so we, basically, we try to solve the multiple problems uh, at once. And one of the ways in which we solve this problem is uh, by having the, um, the spotted monsters feasible for everybody. So since uh, there are three monsters uh, which are related to the three areas of the map, and they're always uh, with uh, you know, their face up, like you can see which uh, monster is coming and, and in which area they are going to spawn. So you can check uh, what uh, what tokens they have, and you can go in that area and provoke the monster in that area to get that part token. Like there are several ways in which you get uh, random parts from uh, from cards, uh, or even from your uh, like some uh, some heroes have it into their uh, uh, personality cards. Have ways in which they can get more parts and so on, uh, but. Um, yeah, these uh, these of the monsters was one of the way that we used to mitigate. Yeah, and it's funny hearing it after the fact. It like, oh wait, that makes complete sense, <laughs> right? Like, duh, right? Um, uh, and and that I guess that was just where I was so focused on finding a you know again in my playthrough uh, I was um, I went with Zach with my character. Uh, yeah, and. You know, when you look at like the three sort of uber abilities that you get, knowing that you start sort of in general, like with less 
sort of movement, the uh, move up to four ninja run felt like yeah. is what was going to make him super advantageous to, to, to then, you know, get into endgame with. And, like, he needs, uh, you know, hashtag generous and hashtag lazy in order to unlock that. So I just went for the one monster that actually had that, that hashtag, you know, not even realizing yep. that I couldn't even use half of his things. <laughs> but it was more about getting to that sort of end game for me with that. Yeah. But that's funny you mentioned it because, again, hindsight, you know, I didn't even see it. Ryan, what were your thoughts uh, on that from, from the mechanics and, and the randomness? Yeah. I enjoyed the, like, not, there's enough asymmetry there, too, that that adds into it, I think. I, like, I the way we played our characters was so different, and I think how you play adds onto that. Like, for example, I was very aggressive. I immediately started going after Ken, which I enjoy doing in most games, but had a lot of fun doing in this one because I was able to just, like, wipe most of his health away and prevent him from doing anything important. But yeah, like we all kind of blended together in a way that made me appreciate the asymmetry and randomness a bit more. And I still, I don't know where you came up with the idea or how, but the whole body token thing, like I looked at it at first and it just didn't make any sense to me. And then the more, like as soon as I sat down and looked at the little paper doll that lays the tokens out, it just made me laugh. I was like, all right, I see where they're going with this. Yeah, so, so you want to know how the these parts token came up, let's say. Yes. <laughs> so th- that is another of the things that uh, came kind of out of nowhere, because actually at the beginning there was nothing like that, but it, it was all in, in, in an effort to try to make everything as simple as possible. So we weren't trying to make any smart mechanics on, on the game at all. That, that was not the the goal uh, at all um originally in like in the game you could do something like every turn i don't know you can uh, you can do free actions like uh, walk uh, up to this amount then do that and then do that maybe you could walk based uh, on um, your agility parameters like there were agility parameters there were some kind of strength parameters uh, like you would expect uh, in most games and then while we, while we were playtesting play with um, friends who are not um, usual like board gamers, they were forgetting how many, how many actions they had already uh, performed and what they could do, or they were blocking, oh, and then what do I do now? Can I do this? But wait, can I? So, okay, we decided uh, this is not fine. We, we cannot tell people that you can do... Uh, this amount of actions because they're gonna forget uh, what they did they're not gonna be sure if they can do something or not so instead we started using uh, resources and we just said like you know you had an activation token for uh, your shield an activation token for uh, uh, your weapon and if you had already used it you could um, kind of remove it from the from the weapon card, for example, if you already uh, used your weapon, by spending another resource, which was the rage, and everything worked, and it was fine. Uh, and then we started adding these um, uh, these parts only for the aims of, for the aim of the attack, because uh, we wanted to have a randomization thing that made some thematic sense, and having where the attack lands kind of makes more sense. And then the just you know rolling at the six and checking you know giving a plus one with the six and a minus one uh, with, with a one or something like that. 
Uh, and we showed it to um, our graphic designer, uh, Morgan uh, Jovial Graphics, and he really liked these part things and he really liked the token thing. So uh, he said, but why don't you just merge the two things and you have the parts uh, like uh, in instead of these tokens as well. And we liked the idea. We started experimenting. A after that, he probably took other three months uh, of, uh, of playtesting to make everything work properly. But we liked the idea. It was weird. It it worked, and it already this like using those tokens was already like uh, fixing all of the problems of people forgetting what they could do and things like that. And yeah. having different tokens for uh, uh, the different kind of energy you can use is something that uh, we liked more because the possibility of activating you know one weapon, but then. Uh, uh, you are tired to use the weapon again, but it's fine that you use uh, the shield. It kind of made no sense. So uh, we were already thinking you should have like some energy in the arms, like you know, like if you can still lift one arm, you can use it for your weapon or for your shield, and it's, it's the same. And somehow this ended up merging with this part, and yeah, and it, it worked. Like uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed that portion of it a lot because it's almost like a little game within a game where you're it is like a currency you're spending and so you have to kind of balance what you're spending and when because you don't know what's necessarily going to be happening outside your turn so like that whole balance was enjoyable for me i thought um and then I, we were also kind of like at the beginning of the game you know first playthrough just kind of how do we get more of these and then the more we play we we're like all right we got to be a bit more aggressive to be able to pull this stuff and you know have more to spend and, and be able to do more per turn so yeah it was it's a cool system I, I liked it a lot and you know kudos for having the first game with butt tokens in it i'm just going to tip my hat to you there i i just uh, i just remembered actually that when we um, implemented the system still we didn't have the system in which monsters roam the board when they're wild they, they did when they were familiar so, but anytime you you weren't provoking monsters into roaming the board, you were just uh, having a one-to-one -one encounter with a monster, and you would uh, you would fight spending those tokens, and then uh, you could tame it or not. And actually, as soon as we included this uh, uh, resource management system, the fight became so involved and so focused on the resource management that. It became just looking at that monster card and looking at your resources, moving the resources. So the fact that the resource management became so involved somehow, it forced us to create something even more interesting on the board. Yep. So after I, I, I saw how it was working, like it was like, okay, the resource management is great. It works fine. It's ruining the game because we are not even looking at the board anymore. So we have to create something way more interesting that happens on the board so that the two things can keep having a dialogue instead of being just everybody focused on their player math. And, and, and through these, uh, all of these monsters uh, uh, roaming the board, all of the, um, you know, the push mechanics and things like that, uh, 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 started uh, being used. I have to ask too, like one of the things that 
I noticed about the game is the dungeons. Were those always something that were part of the game or was that added on later? Cause it, the PVP aspect to me seemed really obvious, right. And, and the familios and all the interplay that happens there with, with, you know, the, um, you know, the water dragon or whomever you have out, but the dungeons to me were like a little side thing. Was that something that's always been there? Or you just kind of added as an additional point of interest or a way to generate gear for, for players. So um, answering is pretty difficult because uh, nothing has been there like uh, forever. Like when uh, when <laughs> okay. the game started like uh, eight years ago or whatever, it was like uh, there were only monsters. So you had uh, four areas uh, in, in which you were exploring. So you could go into desert, forest, river or mountains. You would fight uh, whatever monster you were draw- drawing from those decks, uh, like the one uh, for each area, and then according to the level of the monster that you were um, drawing, you would uh, fight. Uh, sorry, you would get a reward proportional to how difficult it was, basically. So um, the dungeons were implemented probably well still before all of the resource uh, uh, tokens uh, and all of them, the way in which. Uh, encounters work now and before the hashtags and the personality because also personality changed before we had uh, a single line basically and you you were moving like uh, some kind of heart uh, tokens from the left to the right uh, and like you know as you were behaving like uh, good or bad so they have been here for a long time i can see how you feel like they are different than the other things and and they are and and during playtesting, uh, uh, one very good comment uh, I received is that uh, we have a lot of very important choices uh, in in every you know like in the encounters you have always a choice and monsters kind of force you to do choices on how well if you spawn them first of all but also which one you choose and how you uh, how you interact with them if you avoid the fight and so on. While with dungeons, you don't have this. Uh, and, and I've been thinking for some time, and, and I thought, like, it's true, like, uh, maybe we should do something to change them. But after a, a long <laughs> consideration, we actually think that they're good and it's functional how they are uh, in the game. And the, the choice they they bring to, to the game is something like, uh, well, it's, it's not related to the card itself, but more on whether you want to explore them or not, and whether you want to to steal them from other players. <laughs> that is something where we actually see a lot of interaction is when somebody goes and um, explore uh, level one, and then somebody else goes to steal the level two. And and that is, that is one of the situations in which the game kind of creates some competition on, on its own, of course. But that is uh, that is totally gratuitous. <laughs> like you see, hate. Yeah, like, I think that's <laughs> that's definitely something that it, when you play it, you see the design has that in it, and that's part of what appeals to Ken and I. And you know, our podcast is play games, lose friends. We like these types of games. We like the games that make you look at your, you know, the player across the table and just want to leap over there and choke them to death, like. There's moments that we, when we were playing, that were absolutely like that, and that's another one of those. So that's why I was kind of asking if it was something that that you guys had sort of seen a, a need for, or if it was something that was there from the beginning. Because 
I could see, you know, more gear is good and there's a chance to get it from that, but also that sort of um, additional objective and take that mechanic from stealing things is, is pretty good. Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I would like to say that we planned it. Uh, the truth is uh, we did not. Like, uh, Happy accidents, um, right? Thought, yeah, <laughs> we, we thought it was cool uh, to have dungeons. We thought it was cool to have a different uh, thing to to explore. Actually, it was a friend suggesting uh, something like that, like we included something like that. We liked it. We, um, we started using it. And, and then the truth is also that, to be fair, there was... Um, much more stuff in the game in general and everything that was not uh, strictly relevant has been called so th- we kept it for a reason and we, we do like it so no no absolutely it's, it's again it, it seems like it adds you know again it, it hits different types of players too like ryan said like <clears throat> he him and i went head to head for most of the game you know where the other two players were you know sort of doing a little bit of this a little bit of that kind of feel their characters out so it seems like it just adds like something for a specific type of gamer too that again if you have this resource this is how you want to achieve it that's a good uh, a good way to do it um so <clears throat> i know we have a little bit left here so i guess antonio uh from your perspective uh what would be sort of the the last word or last uh you know comment you would have um to to help uh, people make make that decision to actually back your game, Kabbalah. <laughs> so you're asking for a market pitch, a, a designer, and that's really not <laughs> my strong thing. Um, I think that the game is unique. Uh, that we, we put a lot of passion uh, into it, which doesn't necessarily mean that we managed <laughs> to, to have a good result, but I think we did. I think we have been extremely humble so the game has been playtested with like 100 people or so. And we have really made sure to listen to each one of them and not only listen to what they say because people say things, but sometimes they don't really mean them. <laughs> While we actually paid attention to the way in which they interacted with the game uh, to uh, where they had uh, uh, difficulties and things like that. And we really did everything we could to to make the, the best experience uh, we could out of it. And yeah, the, the game is fun. I don't know. Like, I really like it. But it depends uh, um, on what people like, of course. Come on. You, you put me in an awful position. I cannot do a much. I had to, right? That's our job, right? To get the, to, <laughs> to get the, to get the skinny, to get the dirt. You know, we need the, we need the facts. <laughs> but no, yeah, but honestly... You know, but to your to your points, and and I and, uh, I will say number one, uh, this is a very very unique game. There is nothing quite like it. It has aspects of games that we've played before, but nowhere in sort of this combination. Uh, so you definitely have a very unique product. Uh, I will also add, you know, again and again, we'll we'll get into our. You know, you'll, you'll hear the first impression either before or after this. But uh, I will say, you know, it is uh, a very fun time. Um, and, and I think what was interesting, you know, too, was, again, you get to play sort of one aspect of the character every time. So, uh, you know, keep trying different things and, and, you know, picking different personalities to, to sort of see, you know, what actually will jive with you. I think that's really cool, too. You know, just 
in the replayability of it. Um, you know, it was funny, like someone got to play, uh, you know, the, the was it Isidol, the, the mom, but they couldn't, they didn't go with the, um, the babies, you know, where they, where she spawns the, the little minion kids. And I'm like, why would you not try to have that be the way you play that character? So like now I want to go back to the table and play just as her. So I could try to do that and see what that looks like and feels like. So uh, again, I, I think you definitely achieved, you know, at least, you know, if you were looking to achieve those two things, you definitely did them, right. You have a unique product, you know, that, that definitely adds, you know, that, that is very fun to play. Ryan, any other thoughts here at the end as we close out? No, I just uh, want to say thanks for the time. And, you know, I'm hoping we can, you know, get a chance to play this in the future. I think uh, this is a game perfect for expansion. So not to put you on the spot, but if uh, if you're going to go for the expansion route, please let us know because some additional characters, like I said, I love asymmetry. For me, that's a really cool part of most games that have it. And this one has quite a bit of that uh, between the, you know, the, the monsters and the uh, familios and the actual player characters. So, yeah, expansion, if you're doing it, let us know. Yeah, yeah, we have a couple of expansions already uh, in the Kickstarter, and I must say that the heroes play really, really different than those in the, uh, in, the in the core box. So we have, uh, well, cool. the Nun actually, the Nun is just free for everybody, and that uh, has a, an upgradable weapon. But basically, it it consumes parts while you use it. So you will want to kill every monster that happens to be close to you <laughs> just to get more parts to discard and upgrade your weapon. And and we have yeah. And the conspiracy theorist is uh, like totally crazy. It can uh, uh, basically it can do super long turns, but but they're they're very fast in what happens like with the pushes that don't uh, don't end the turn so it changes completely the way in which uh, like uh, you 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 can plan your turns basically very cool very cool i'm i'm looking forward to it i know what i think from our gaming groups and our gaming circles i think there's at least three pledges so hopefully with uh, this coming out you know you you have some more from you know from our from our audience maybe uh but but I know you at least have three pledges, you know, from us at, at minimum. So, guys, <laughs> yeah, you, you you can play together. But but I do appreciate the support. Absolutely. No. Again, it, this is you know, and you've heard and we've talked since December, right? Like I don't know, there was just something about this that it 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 pulled on my gaming heartstrings, and I just wanted you know to to you know to see it succeed because I I you know I enjoyed what I saw, and, and again actually getting to play it now i'm like yes i'm very happy with this uh and again i can't wait to get the you know the final version right the proto version it's it's great but you know obviously it's a proto version right so (laughs) yeah yeah but awesome well antonio thank you very much for your time we truly appreciate this um hopefully uh you know obviously this you know this is just the start of everything great for stranger game studios I, i would imagine you got a lot more stuff planned down the road and you know, again, we're we're here to help in any way we can. So thank you. It was great being here, and yes, we will definitely do more stuff. So we'll be in touch. All right, that was Antonio Liga, the lead designer from Stranger Games Studios, who uh, is basically the creator of Kabbalah and came up with all the wacky stuff you just listened to. 
we got to chan- the chance to play two games. Wish we could have played a little bit more, but again, circumstances being what they were, we couldn't get more time in. I want you to dive in first on your first impressions because I, you're the one that's backing the game for for our group, and I definitely want to hear more about what you thought after two plays in in the prototype. Well, I, I, I think the the first first thing let's just say is the game is is chaos, but chaos in a positive sense. What I lo- what I really enjoyed was, and was maybe more in the second playthrough. I think was that your best laid plans will get altered, will shift, will change. Whether it's uh, by someone else flipping a card, someone else attacking something, someone else, you know, taming a monster or provoking a monster, or you know, again, as you're supposed to do in the game, is you have to steal the Kabbalah. Uh, so. I really enjoy that aspect of it. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and I can't wait to see more of that. Uh, and again, some of the new things that got added during the Kickstarter, I'm super excited about as well. Um, one other thing, I, you know, just to, to note is the, the four characters, uh, which I believe is going to be six different characters total. Uh, once if you, if you backed the one expansion, and you either purchased or was an early bird uh, for the Kickstarter campaign. Um, so, but technically, if you think about it, you have, uh, what is it, f- uh, three different sort of personality types. So you have almost a total of 18 playable characters in a way. Uh, and you choose as you're playing which one of the three you eventually want to sort of be, um, which I think adds a lot of uniqueness, a lot of chaos to the game as well. Um, and, you know, to your point about, you know, getting it back, I want to play again because I didn't get to play as the, uh, the one, the one character who actually spawns little children. Uh, I know we got to see some little children hit the board the second playthrough, but they got wiped out immediately, I think by floppy or by one of the other wandering monsters. But, uh, I, I don't know, man, I'd really just enjoy the chaos and, uh, the randomness is it's it couldn't be frustrating. I think I can I think that might be one criticism. I think the randomness and luck maybe uh, could be could be challenging for some people. Um, but but all in all, I think there's enough other stuff that I really enjoy that really sort of negate that for me. What are your thoughts, or at least opening thoughts? Yeah, so I have, I'm going to start with a couple first impression critiques before I get into the good stuff. Um, because I think the critiques are, are salient enough to affect the good parts of the game. And I think there are more good parts than bad parts, which I think is a good sign for a prototype. I think the, the chaos, to your point about chaos, the game is chaos, right? It's designed to be chaos, I think, to a certain extent. It reminds me a lot of Arcadia Quest when it comes to just sort of, you know, the wham bam style of monsters killing you, you killing monsters, players going after each other, players going after each other's familios, which are sort of like your pets. You kill a monster and it becomes your pet and you, you know, does your bidding for a while until it's killed or you're killed. I think that's a big part of the chaos and I think that's totally intentional and I think that adds to the fun of the game. It's just a, an all out free for all trying to grab this tree and become the winner. Um, where I think that sort of, intersects with some other portions of the game is where I feel like there's a little bit of a weakness. And that really, to me, was theming. The theming of the game, while the the 
nuttiness of the story and theming actually is a strength. I think there's a lot of elements to the theming that feel like more of a mishmash than I, I would hope. There's like a hashtag system for gaining notoriety, but it's in a fantasy world. And like, there are some things there that just don't mesh up for me personally. Will others find it fine? Probably, right? This is just my personal opinion, but some of the theme stuff didn't work. The player characters are interesting. I think there's enough variety there. Like you mentioned, you didn't get to see the babies come out. I would have loved that. There's just, just all kinds of like, I played a vegan who ends up becoming a, basically a human flesh eater, a cannibal. Uh, and the theme that played through with that with abilities and some of the other stuff was kind of cool. Um, I enjoyed the gear system. The dungeons kind of didn't make sense to me at first until I realized, well, that's kind of the strongest way to acquire the rare items, which are really powerful in a lot of cases. Uh, all the items are really wacky. There's like a Christmas helmet. There's like a, a vegan hot dog, which is just a bun with a banana in it unpeeled. Uh, so yeah. there, there's just a lot of that chaotic hilarity and theme, but I don't think it all meshes together the way I like. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to feel that way for everybody else. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, um, the humor, uh, and, and, and wackiness. Um, again, you have to be that kind of person, I think, or this is not going to hit for you. Um, yes, and again, I think our group definitely that, that, I mean, every time someone got an item or, or they, they were, you know, provoked a new monster, everyone wanted to read and, and see and hear and see what they got because of just the, the humor, uh, that is sort of weaving throughout this game. Um, I think early on we joked about it has that um, – there's another game from WizKids called OP Arena. It has that sort of style and humor to it where yeah. – I mean that one has what? A karate sausage. So it's a sausage guy in a, in a karate gi. It's got um, – An incontinent chihuahua. Yeah, an incontinent chihuahua. I mean the, the, uh, that girl. game – maybe yeah. we'll do a whole episode <laughs> on that one at one point. But 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 I'm saying like that was what I said uh, You know, really early on. You know, We compared it with Antonio – when we were talking, you know, basically in, in December, January. And, um, you know, he, he then went and looked at it himself. He was unfamiliar with the game and he was like, Oh, I can definitely see it. And he's like, yeah, it definitely, <laughs> you know, it has that sort of flavor. And then to your point, you mentioned about the Arcadia quest. I didn't realize or see the Arcadia quest style actually until the end of the first game. And then definitely I, I grasped that concept of it in the second game, you know, again, to your point, like, you know, the hashtag system could be, could have been tokens or just could have been experience points or something. So I, I, again, I get it. It may not be for everyone, you know, but it seems like they, they, they try to appeal to a lot of different people, but I don't know if there's one person that will like all the aspects, right? Like in a weird way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's why I was kind of like saying this is very much my opinion. And so I think interpretation is going to be different across a lot of folks. You're 100% right though. If your group is is more like beige traders, joke from Shut Up and Sit Down that I love reusing, uh, you know, Euro-style gamers that don't really dig the wackiness of things like OP Arena or Cosmic Frog or the Chaos or something like Arcadia Quest, this has, you know, all of that insanity baked in with a, a pretty robust mechanic structure tied into it. But if you're not into that sort of humor and, you know, big disclaimer too here, there is a lot of adult humor in this game. This probably isn't good for kids. There's cursing. I think the Christmas hat that you got as the rare item was like Merry Christmas, Mother Effers, stuff like that. So there's a lot of that going on in the game too to just 
be aware of that if you are interested in picking it up. Unfortunately, the Kickstarter is over at this point, but it did successfully backed, which is great to see. So congratulations to the Stranger Games team for that. But yeah, I think you're spot on with that assessment. It's very group specific. You've got to have the types of players that are, that can appreciate the crude adult humor or the ridiculous. There's a desert eagle with a desert eagle and it's just like, I don't want to say a mockery of, of the United States, but it's pretty close. And I laugh, right? You got to have that tongue in cheek sort of approach to the game when you play it. Yeah. I mean, but again, that was one of the most appealing factors for me with this game. Uh, when I saw it the first time back in, I guess, what was it? Maybe October, November of last year. It, it, it just drew me in right away. The art, the wackiness. And then I'm like, oh, there's a game. Yeah. Go, oh, cool. You know, so like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hope it's good. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited for, um, you know, the final, uh, version. Hopefully this, you know, will, uh, have someone stay interested in, in maybe a late pledge, which would be cool. But, um, uh, but yeah, there's much, you know, during the Kickstarter, they unlocked new content, uh, which was gear, uh, that you could equip actually your familio. Uh, which I thought was kind of a cool concept, um, you know. So then, when you go yeah. to like those those ports and you do some shopping, you might be able to get gear for your your familia, which again I think diversifies them a little bit. Or if you get some of the more, um, I guess I'll call them peaceful familios that don't have attack power, maybe it gives them attack power. Or if you have a, an attack heavy familio, maybe it gives you a little bit of an passive ability or or something that will help you know diversify that familio. Uh, again, what I thought was really cool was just that, you know, that art style and that humor, again, was very appealing to me. Uh, and again, I just cannot yeah, wait your, to, to that's see. That's right up your alley. No, I, I mean, I, I really dug it. It's definitely um, my sense of humor. Yep. I, I will say that there were times where I was having a lot of fun with the game, which is a good sign. Uh, there were times where maybe I wasn't so much, and maybe that speaks to some systems issues. But for the most part, I think, you know, our group through two playthroughs was at times very engaged and was ha- having a lot of fun with the, you know, the humor of it and, and the wackiness of it and the theme. So I feel like after two playthroughs, we had a pretty good indication of the game and we gave Antonio some feedback as well. Um, so again, just it's nice to be involved in that type of process with, with creators and game creators to have some feedback and some d- discourse over the, the game and, and the theme and stuff like that. So, a uh, really cool guy to talk to, Antonio. And, and, uh, you know, we wish him the best on the campaign. And I'm hoping that, or, or sorry, on the, uh, the fulfillment of the campaign. And I'm hoping that, you know, if it's successful enough, maybe someday they'll, they'll do, Maybe expansions. We talked about that a bit too. I know there's one that comes in the actual, um, in the Kickstarter, one of the pledges that you can yeah. do, but this game is like perfect for additional expansions, you know, more familios, additional character, player characters, items. Like they, they could go yeah, I crazy mean, I could with this s- if they wanted. They, they've created this world. And I think again, they got enough backers, you know, to, to fun, which again is, is step one, right? Get your game into production, get your game into people's hands. And then step two, obviously, is then obviously get them the game, right? And then you, this world is so cool and open ended. It can, it can just continue to grow. Uh, I mean, more monsters, more characters. I mean, heck, as silly as it sounds, I can almost see a second board. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. It's a big table presence. It's a big table presence. It is a but, big table presence. 
but I could see a second board and you have teleporters and now you go to another world and you could either steal the Kabbalah here or, you know, or something in another world. I mean, again, they, it's so open ended, um, of what they've created here. Um, and to get, just to walk a little bit around, you know, sort of, uh, the gameplay as, as we experienced it twice. So the first game I was, I think the character's name is Clayton. Uh, and he, or no, was I, who were you the second game? Cause that's who I was the first game. I forget. Were you Zach? I was Zach the second game. Yeah. Yeah. Zach the second game. So I was Zach the first game. And I, when you look at those personality types, you know, you make a gut check on what you think is going to be the most helpful for you end game or, or as you approach end game. And for me, uh, that the one personality type was the extra movement uh in in his personality types um because movement is actually really important in this game more so i think than you realize when you play it initially uh and then he has an, his one ability yeah. he gets to move four spaces well that's what actually allowed me to win the game was being able to move f- to the guardian and kill it uh in, in a couple swings cuz at that point it was pretty weak so you steal the cobbler run to the herald kill it Second game, uh, I played, uh, that was Clayton was the second game. And again, I think a few of us were all going, we were all going for the cobble at the same time. It happened to be my, my turn. I stole it, which again makes you a target as soon as you steal that cobble. But then it actually ended up where a monster had gone in its turn and ended up killing the herald. So whoever's holding the cobble at that time, is the winner of the game. So I I, I didn't really <laughs> have a strategy other than try to survive, you know, but, um, yeah. but again, two different games, two different experiences. And again, the monster won the game for me, not me winning it, but I was, you know, on my way to trying to win. Uh, it just so happened that one of the monsters, you know, attacked the Herald uh, and killed it. But, I mean, that's the kind of crazy chaos that you can see or, or experience. And again, with ever, I think what, what also I like is everyone can interpret and use these, all these different personalities differently. And it, it there is a, uh, a specific gamer type in every one of those personalities. And I think it's just trying to yes, figure it out as you go. You know, it's a puzzle you have to unlock or a, a puzzle you have to complete. I had fun the first, uh, two times that I played. I decide, or the two times we played, I tried to do something completely different each time. The first game, <laughs> you left played, me alone. The second just, game, <laughs> yeah, I was just going asshole aggressive the whole game, chasing you down, chase you know, shooting anything. I, I ended up getting that Desert Eagle, and it like has a great uh, ranged ability, and so I was just popping people with the Desert Eagle. With the Desert Eagle, I was attacking you know with my character, just trying to play the game as aggressively as possible to like push you know that portion of the gameplay and see what you know, whatever unfolded and how that worked. And then the second game, I tried to be as passive as possible. I was not attacking people. I was going and um, triggering the event tokens to see what, you know, you could build up sort of wealth or rewards or set yourself up to finish strong at the end, doing the dungeons to try and get more items, um, trying out the towns and what the different abilities were there, just trying to be passive and, and go the other end of the spectrum and see what the game played like. And I can say for sure I had way more fun, and maybe this is just me and my personality, because I'm a dick, of attacking it's you true. and going after you guys as much as I could in that first game. The second game, I think you – and it taught me that there's a good mix there 
between aggression and, you know, abstaining when it makes sense for the sake of rewards. And there are a fair amount of rewards you can obtain in the game. I do think one criticism I had with some of that was you can get items and you have slots for items. Um, and so you're limited as to what you can use, but then you need tokens to do it. And I found it a little difficult to get tokens. And maybe that's because I just wasn't playing it quite the way I thought. I almost feel the way you get the tokens to be able to sort of fuel what you want to do and fuel your items is to attack monsters. And then when you wound them, you may take tokens. Is it that you take tokens off of them or you just take them from the general supply? I can't remember. Yeah. So when a, when a monster spawns, it has certain amount – its health points are the tokens that go on it. And when you deal damage, you take tokens. And then eventually when you okay. – you know, when you take the last token off, it dies and it becomes your familio. Yeah. So the, the tokens themselves were – Really, the, the only way you could go about it was kind of doing that. But there was also the times where like, all right, well, I don't really want to attack this monster because I need to attack this player or I want to try, you know, to get these events before they're gone off the board or there's a level two dungeon that someone just unlocked that I can go swipe. Like the decision making is fairly intense at times, knowing the range of things that you have available to you. And I felt like having another way that's a little bit more, maybe, maybe less imp- uh, qual- less quality. What's the word I want here? I'm, I'm having trouble using my brain today. Less um, numerous than a monster's tokens. Maybe just waste in dungeons or events to gain some additional tokens that's more consistent. Because what happens is that second game, being more passive, I never really got any tokens and couldn't use most of my stuff. And I felt like that was kind of shitty. And maybe, again, that's just me not playing the game right, but I feel more avenues would, would give players more options on play styles, if that well, makes that, sense. Well, that, again, that you, you're, you're, you're accurate there. And again, I think every character, you know, again, in each game, I either got a piece of equipment or I had a personality type that I wouldn't be able to use because I couldn't find certain tokens. That can be frustrating. Yeah, exactly. I understand that. Um you know, like for an example, I, I got this awesome weapon, but it needed teeth, right, to use, to fuel it, right? But no monster was getting teeth. So I was like, all right, well, then I have to provoke different monsters. And you try to pull a random one that has a teeth attribute, uh, you know, that you could then attack and get it. Um, or you have to try to, you know, unlock events or unlock dungeons to get those as rewards. But it's like there's nothing, there's nothing there either. You know, and again, it's it's just as random as trying to pull a monster. So it's like whatever is more at your disposal to try to do to maximize your character is key. And, and maybe there would be, and I think we even you know sort of joked a little bit with him, but it was like, is there an incentive to attacking players too? Potentially, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. or other than just sort of stifling progression, which again is important. But like in Arcadia Quest, if you kill something, you get money, or you do you get experience, or is it just gold? I think it's just gold, right? But you can fulfill quests. Yeah, just cold. On, on killing things, right? That's, that's part of the P, PVE aspect of the game and PVP where, you know, uh, and yep. again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, again, could be something else to think about, uh, as, as they go, go into production and, and, and go through that. Um, unless again, here's the other thing too. It's a prototype. There might be a rule that we're missing or I misread or I didn't read it properly. Like there could be a mechanism there that I'm not seeing. Um, you know, maybe if you attack a player, do you steal one of their things? I don't, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I don't remember I mean, we got seeing two that. two playthroughs but... in, so who yeah. knows what we missed, right? And, and again, to your prototype comment, it could change a little bit in production. And yeah. so we'll see what happens. But 
they did play test the crap out of the game over the course of several years. So, you know, they did their due diligence and you can tell in the yeah, design, absolutely. there's a lot of things that are very well refined too. So I think from a prototype standpoint, I was pretty impressed with the way the state of the game was when we got to play it. And I didn't walk away feeling like this is just thrown together. This There had some had to be some careful planning and execution um, from a rules and mechanics standpoint. And it's clear they put the time in there. So no, absolutely. I really, again, I, I, I'm, I have no regrets on backing this game. I am super excited uh, about it happening and, and actually getting the real sort of final version. Yeah. We'll have to get it to the table once it's in. Um, so again, big thank you to Antonio and the folks at stranger game studios for getting us a prototype copy uh, we're going to try to get more prototype copies of more games in the coming, you know, weeks and months here. I know Ken's got a couple on the back burner that we'll talk about in our next episode. And, uh, but thanks again to Antonio for both spending some time with us for an interview and, and communicating over email a bunch. Uh, I know he got COVID over the, the stretch that we were talking. So I was glad to see he recovered fully and was, and was feeling good, but thanks again. And, and, uh, you know, we hope everybody appreciated the chance to get to hear about it before it's out. And hopefully those that backed it really enjoy it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So before we head out, we got backed and bought pretty short list for me. So I'm going to let you go first. What do you, what do you have that you've uh, added to the shelves that don't have room? (laughs) Right. Well, obviously I just, you know, keep adding, but uh, so obviously I backed Kabbalah. (laughs) Um, so that that is, and then that was successfully funded. Uh, I'm also currently backing Earth, uh, which ends uh, in, in a little less than a week. Uh, I think I even posted it on Instagram. It doesn't need the, a push because it's already funded, but that game looks amazing. Uh, run, don't walk for that one. Another game I'm backing, I have a feeling it is probably not going to be funded, uh, is Deep Root Dwellers. I also we we posted on Instagram about that one as well. Like, uh, I don't. I think people yeah, just looks good. didn't see it. People didn't see it, and and it's 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 a crowded space on Kickstarter right now. With a, uh, there is so much big stuff in March and late February that that happened, and I just think people are breezing by it. So we're I, I've been trying to reach out to them, you know, as well to see if they could be, uh, you know, something that we. We, we embark on together, you know, like we did with, with Antonio and, and the Stranger Games studio team. Like, maybe there's something we could do to help. Because I love what we saw, right? I, th- I know you even sent it to me as well. You're like, are you backing this? And I'm like, absolutely. It's, it's, it's got animals. <laughs> it's got deck building. It's got worker placement. It's got tableau building. It's, it's, a, it's a Ken game. So I, I want it, right? <laughs> so, yeah, they got all four hooks um, in you. Yes, all of it. So, and and again, I know it 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 scratches a lot of your itches as well. So, it's definitely something that we we need we need it to be a real game. So, I'm going to do what I you know, we we were going to do what we can to to make it a reality and and try to help. Uh so that was my backed. What about you unbacked? Anything unbacked or are we going right to bought? Uh only one I backed which finished and I think I talked about this before was Deep Rock Galactic. It funded fully with all stretch goals. Uh, I believe yesterday it closed. Uh, today is what the the fourth. So yesterday was the third of March, and uh, every stretch goal hit. It looks like it's going to be great. Um, supposedly they're fulfilling later this year, but we'll see. But uh, very excited about Deep Rock Galactic, and I'm a huge fan of the game. So I think the board game's very much in the spirit of the game. It should be a good time. Something we can get to the table with all four of us as well. Cool. So how about bought? 
What'd you get? What'd you get? Tell me what you got. Uh, okay. So, uh, bought, uh, I found, or my wife actually found a copy of King Domino at Walmart on clearance for $10. So she asked if I wanted it and I said, read the back. If you'll play it, buy it. If not, leave it sit. <laughs> and, uh, she bought it. So we have, I, I didn't, I never owned a game, uh, a copy of King Domino. I've played it several times. Fantastic game. But again, if she isn't going to be interested, don't even spend the 10 bucks. So uh, she brought it home. Uh, and I placed an order with a miniature market uh, for Glow uh, and a Hero Quest uh, night expansion that was very, very difficult to find. For some reason, was not part of the HasLab money that I threw at them. But that's the pre-order item that's holding up this order. And then the last thing I bought was a insert for Abyss and the Abyss uh, expansions. So, because right now it's like a couple different boxes and it's annoying. Uh, so I needed to get that condensed, you know, to make room for stuff. So, <laughs> so that's what I Makes bought. Sense. Anything uh, that you've purchased? No. <laughs> it's been a, <laughs> no. a dry month for no. me. I'm trying to scale back knowing all the Kickstarters coming this year. I did get uh, one order in with the Dice Throne folks at Roxley. I picked up the last two sets of character sleeves I needed, and I got a limited run print of the Moon Elf signed by the artist Manny Trembley, uh, which is cool. It's going to go in the board game room. But yeah, I've been I've been slowing down purchasing on purpose, knowing the sheer amount of stuff that's going to fulfill this year. Uh, the only other thing I looked at was some shelving. Let's say that because uh, <laughs> my cabinet's full, and until I get Ankh boxes out of here uh, and the models in a you know army carrying case or something, uh, room is there's no room. Space is at a premium at this point, and that's even with me purging some stuff. So, yeah, I'm probably not going to be picking anything up over the next couple of weeks here, maybe a couple of months uh, until some of these Kickstarters start to roll in, unless something really catches my eye. But yeah, nice and quiet for me on that front. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for joining us again. Sorry for the long delay, and we will have another episode out very soon. We're going to try recording again not too long from today, or from tonight, I should say. So thanks again for joining us. Welcome back. We're glad to be back, and we'll, we'll talk to everybody again soon. And before we go, Ken, any words of wisdom for our, our loving listeners? Number one, I just want to say thank you for anyone who is listening uh, and who is interacting with us. Uh, on Instagram. Um, we really appreciate everyone liking, commenting, you know, even direct Up to 400. messaging. Yeah, we hit 400. So that's uh, 400 followers. So that's awesome. So thank you, everybody. Uh, and, um, you know, that's it. Play games, lose friends on Instagram. So thank you all. And don't hesitate if you have questions or comments or want to talk about a particular subject or want to hear our take on a subject, you can reach us at playgameslosefriends at gmail.com. Check out our website, playgameslosefriends.com. Other than that, I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Enjoy some games, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. <laughs>